Vyavahita prithana mukam niriksha Vyavahita prithana mukam niriksha Svajana vadhad 
Vimukasya dosham Sajanavadad Vimukasya dosha buddhya Kuma Kumati Maharad Atma Vidyayas Kumati Maharad Atma Vidyayas Okay, I'm struggling with this meter. Maharad Atma Vidyayas Kumati Maharad Atma Vidyaya Yash Kumati Maharad Atma Vidyaya Yash Charanarati Paramasya Tasya Mestu Charanarati Paramasya Tasya Mestu Vyavahita Pritanamukam Niriksha Yavahita Pritana Mukam Niriksha Svajana Vadhad Vimukasya Dosha Buddha Svajana Vadhad Vimukasya Dosha Kumati Maharad Atma Vidyayash Kumati Maharad Atma Vidyayash Charanarati Paramasya Tasya Mestu Charanarati Paramasya Tasya Mestu Do word for word. Vyavahita. Standing at a distance. Pritana. Soldiers. Mukham. Faces. Neriksha, by looking upon. Svajana, kinsman. Vadhat, from the act of killing. Vimukhasya, one who is reluctant. Doshabhutya, by polluted intelligence. Kumatim, poor fund of knowledge. Aharat, eradicated. Atmavidyaya, by transcendental knowledge. Ya, he who. Charana, to the feet. Rati, attraction. Paramasya, of the supreme. Tasya, for him. May, my, astu, let there be. Translation and purport by His Divine Grace, A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Srila Prabhupada. When Arjuna was seemingly polluted by ignorance upon observing the soldiers and commanders before him on the battlefield, The Lord eradicated his ignorance by delivering transcendental knowledge. 
May his lotus feet always remain the object of my attraction. Please repeat. When Arjuna was seemingly polluted by ignorance, upon observing the soldiers and commanders before him on the battlefield, the Lord eradicated his ignorance by delivering transcendental knowledge. May his lotus feet always remain the object of my attraction. The kings and the commanders were to stand in the front of the fighting soldiers. That was the system of actual fighting. The kings and commanders were not so-called presidents or ministers of defense as they are today. They would not stay home while the poor soldiers or mercenaries were fighting face to face. This may be the regulation of modern democracy, but when actual monarchy was prevailing, the monarchs were not cowards elected without consideration of qualification. As it was evident from the battlefield of Kurukshetra, all the executive heads of both parties, like Drona, Bhishma, Arjuna, and Duryodhana, were not sleeping. All of them were actual participants in the fighting, which was selected to be executed at a place away from the civil residential quarters. This means that the innocent citizens were immune from all effects of fighting between the rival royal parties. The citizens had no business in seeing what was going to happen during such fighting. They were to pay one-fourth of their income to the ruler, whether it be Arjuna or Duryodhana. All the commanders of the parties on the battlefield of Kurukshetra were standing face to face, and Arjuna saw them with great compassion and lamented that he was to kill his kinsmen on the battlefield for the sake of the empire. He was not at all afraid of the giant military phalanx presented by Duryodhana, but as a merciful devotee of the Lord, renunciation of worldly things was natural for him, and thus he decided not to fight for worldly possessions. But, This was due to a poor fund of knowledge, and therefore it is said here that his intelligence became polluted. His intelligence could not be polluted at any time because he was a devotee and constant companion of the Lord, as is clear in the fourth chapter of Bhagavad Gita. Apparently, Arjuna's intelligence became polluted because otherwise there would not have been a chance to deliver the teachings of Bhagavad Gita for the good of all polluted conditioned souls engaged in material bondage by the conception of the false material body. The Bhagavad Gita was delivered to the conditioned souls of the world to deliver them from the wrong conception of identifying the body with the soul and to reestablish the soul's eternal relation with the Supreme Lord, Atma Vidya, or transcendental knowledge of Himself. 
Krishna, was primarily spoken by the Lord for the benefit of all concerned in all parts of the universe. Chakshurun militam natasmai shri gurave namaha. I was born in the darkness of ignorance, and my spiritual master opened my eyes with the torchlight of knowledge. Because of his unlimited compassion and sacrifice to awaken the sleeping living entities in this material world, I offer my respectful obeisances unto him. When Arjuna was seemingly polluted by ignorance upon observing the soldiers and commanders perform on the battlefield, the Lord eradicated his ignorance by delivering transcendental knowledge. May his lotus feet always remain the object of my attraction. So between the verse and the purport here, we're going to look at the different levels of uh, What's happening? What's being said? First of all, Bhishma Dev is, um, the name of the chapter is the passing away of Bhishma Dev. So, um, he is now in his final moments and he's, um, at this point he's realized, so he, uh, he's speaking to King Yudhishthir. Um, ironically in this verse, he's speaking about the com- compassion of Arjuna in the beginning of the battle. And now we're at the end of the battle and it's Yudhisthira is the one that is having the weak moment of compassion of not wanting to accept the throne, feeling uh, again that all this was due to me. Um, I don't want the kingdom. I don't, this bothers, as a devotee, he's bothered that so much bloodshed and, and, uh, disturbance was caused simply for him to sit on the throne. So it's very similar, actually, the the compassion of Arjuna and the compassion of Yudhisthira in this moment. So Bhishma Dev is speaking to Yudhisthira to kind of clear him up, uh, clear up his misconceptions, and to he spoke extensively about, well, Yudhisthira, King Yudhisthira had, had requested him, so, you know, what am I supposed to do now? And he spoke extensively on, um, well, let's go back to verse 30. Thereupon, that man who spoke on different subjects with thousands of meanings. So, Bhishma Dev was speaking on many different topics. Uh, he explained very systematically about... Um, classifications of castes, orders, um, duties, all kinds of duties, uh, dharmas, duties, uh, described different castes. In other words, the the very strict Varnashram kind of organization of society, different orders and statuses of life, something that, you know, a king that's coming into power needs to know how to organize society. So Bhishma Dev was instructing him on that. But then at one point, um, as he was speaking, 
the time came. Let's just say that the time came for him to leave. And he immediately stopped speaking about those subject matters. And he then switched his mind to Krishna, who was standing before him, as well as the Pandavas and the Munis and Rishis at that gathering. So he's now switching his attention to Krishna. And in this verse, and several verses before and afterwards, he's recounting... um, basically what attracts him about Krishna, remembering him on the battlefield, his qualities of heroism on the battlefield. Um, and in this particular verse, now as we, we put this verse into context, he's glorifying Krishna as dispelling Arjuna's um, ignorance. And again, reiterating his point that may this Krishna be the object of my attraction. So that's the verse that we come to right now, that Bhishma Dev is solidifying his, or attempting to solidify his attraction to Krishna in the last moments of, of his life. In the purport, Prabhupada gives the different levels of, well, Arjuna was a devotee, so he actually, on one level, it's Leela. Krishna has many objectives with everything that he does, so on one level, yes, Krishna placed him into illusion so that he could speak the Bhagavad Gita for the benefit of all. So let's explore a little bit this ignorance, because it was spoken for our benefit as well. Let's let's just explore a little bit about this ignorance that we all are in that Krishna came to speak the Bhagavad Gita on the um, battlefield of Kurukshetra, not only to dispel Arjuna's ignorance, but to dispel ours. So this ignorance that covers us from our real um, our real identity is very problematic for us. Um, this is um, nicely ex- declared by Devahuti in the third, in the third canto, when she says, um, "I am very sick of the disturbance caused by my material senses, for because of this sense disturbance, my lord, I have fallen into the abyss of ignorance." Ignorance and and disturbance and suffering, these kind of go hand in hand. And that can be experienced practically on a daily basis for the conditioned soul. She goes on to say that she's speaking to the incarnation of Kapila Devi. Your lordship is my only means of getting out of this darkest region of ignorance because you are my transcendental I, which by your mercy only I have attained after many births. You are the supreme personality of Godhead, the origin and supreme lord of all living entities. You have arisen to disseminate the rays of the sun 
in order to dissipate the darkness of the ignorance of the universe. So she says, you are my transcendental I. So Gyananjana Shalabhi. So this transcendental knowledge is our, uh, through the Bhagavad Gita, through Srimad Bhagavatam, is the, uh, the way that we see our transcendental I that gives us the knowledge that we are actually not this body, that we are a spirit soul, and that as the sun rays only have relevance in relation to the sun, we also have a relationship. Not only, yes, Atma Vidya, knowledge of the soul. Yes, we have to know that we are a spirit soul, but really our existence without relationship to Krishna um, is also um, is also a, a kind of illusion Srimad Bhagavatam Canto 2 chapter 934 <clears throat> O Brahma whatever appears to be of any value if it is without relation to me has no reality, know it as my illusory energy, that reflection which appears to be in darkness. So this, um, how everything has relationship to Krishna is called Sambandha Jnana. Um, Veda Shastra Kai Sambandha Abhideya Prayojana Krishna prapya sambandha bhakti praptyara sadhana. The Vedic literatures give information about the living entity's eternal relationship with Krishna, which is called sambandha. The living entity's understanding of this relationship and his acting accordingly is called abhideya. Returning home back to Godhead is the ultimate goal of life and is called prayojana. So, so our ignorance um, of our identity, our actual identity, <clears throat> is eradicated by this sambandha jnana. So... That knowledge of our relationship, of everything's relationship to Krishna, but um, uh, especially our relationship with Krishna. So, so, uh, so attraction. Here, um, Bhishma Dev is praying for that attraction that uh, may. May his lotus feet always remain the object of my attraction. So earlier, right, so earlier, as he was speaking all this knowledge about society and social organization, and then when he realized it was time, when the sun moved, I believe it was the sun moved to the north, which was an auspicious time. Yeah, the sun's course ran into the northern hemisphere. 
so it was time for him to leave. So then as he was he was speaking about different things, then he withdrew his mind from everything else and fixed his wide open eyes upon the original personality of Godhead, who stood before him four-handed, dressed in yellow garments that glittered and shined. So then when he re- when he realized it's time to leave, he focused on that personal relationship with Krishna and his personal um, attraction. And he prayed, as a devotee is humble and never really feels that he has, he prayed, may that remain the object of my attraction. Especially, especially at the end of life. Um, this is the task. This is the ultimate task. Bhagavad Gita 8.5 Whoever at the end of his life quits his body remembering me alone at once attains my nature of this there is no doubt. So attaining the Supreme in Bhagavad Gita chapter 8. This is the ultimate task. That each one of us will have to face. Has anybody avoided death? No. Hopefully, it will be later in life that we'll have enough time to prepare for it. Hopefully. But this is the ultimate task. Attaining the Supreme means at that time when we leave, our only duty is to remember Krishna. And those other duties that dealt with the social organization of the world, they are no longer uh, relevant. And that's why Harinam um, Chintamani, which was written by, um, compiled by Bhakti Thakur, it was, I believe it was originally spoken by Haridas Thakur, Lord Chaitanya. It was a conversation between Haridas Thakur and Lord Chaitanya, and Bhakti Thakur compiled it most recently. Um, that's why it's explained that there are primary processes and there are secondary processes. So let's read a little bit about what that is. From Harinam Chintamani. But as you are the Lord, the controller of the jivas, and the jivas are your energies, you are always thinking of their welfare. Whatever happiness a jiva may seek, you kindly bestow it. Therefore, one who desires impermanent happiness in the material world achieves it without difficulty by the Lord's mercy. All the processes to achieve this happiness of sense gratification, such as rules of varna and ashram, yagya, yoga, homa, and vrata, which are pious activities, are simply material. 
without spiritual transcendental nature at all. The results of these practices, elevation to higher planets and sense enjoyment, are material and temporary. Thus, in such activities for satisfying the temporary senses, the soul remains unsatisfied. It is only the mercy of the Lord who is made of pure mercy that he puts the jivas on a secondary path which lets the jiva fulfill his material desire for some time but simultaneously gives him faith in the process of bhakti. If it were not for the mercy of the Lord, how could the living entities ever become pure and enter their position of happiness in the spiritual realm? In the Satya Yuga, the Lord supplied the process of meditation by which the rishis became purified. Attaining purification, the Lord gave the treasure of bhakti. Similarly, in the Treta Yuga, the Lord arranged for purification by performance of sacrifices. And in Dvarpa Yuga, the Lord gave temple worship for purification as paths leading to bhakti. But seeing the pitiful state of the jivas in Kali Yuga, the Lord gave up hope in the processes of karma, jnana, yoga, and Kali Yuga, such troubles as short life, many diseases, decreased intelligence and strength afflict all jivas. Therefore, the secondary paths of karma, jnana, the practices of varnashram, sankhya, yoga, and jnana, mixed with a little devotional activity, are too narrow and obstructive. The only result in Kali Yuga of these paths is deviation from the path of bhakti. They don't have the potency, the secondary processes. Thus, if one takes to these paths in hopes of success in the Kali Yuga, the life simply will become difficult for the jivas. Therefore, thinking of the welfare of the jivas in Kali Yuga, the Lord has descended with his name. The Lord descended and preached the path for the Kali Yuga, the process of Nam Sankirtan. Since by this process the jiva may directly achieve the highest treasure of Krishna Prema, which is actual happiness, it is called the major or chief path as distinct from the secondary paths. So this is why when Bhishma Dev recognized that it was time for him to leave, he desisted from speaking about the secondary paths of social organization, and he withdrew his mind from those topics and fixed it on developing attraction for Krishna, the Supreme Personality of Godhead, remembering his forms, his qualities, his activities, that was what was attracting his mind at that moment. How the Lord fought in the battle. Even at one point he said how the dust that was raised up from the fighting had had sprinkled on his hair. And it, that's, um, that's very clearly a person speaking in ecstasy. 
So Bhishma Dev was recalling the, the beautiful form of the Lord as he was fighting and being attracted to that heroic form of Krishna on the battlefield and placing his attraction in that form. So this is the, um, this attraction, this very important attraction to Krishna in our, our particular relationship of, with Krishna, um, and that this will ultimately dispel our ignorance of identifying with the material body. Um, and this is the, the task at hand. So we spoke about ignorance. We spoke about sambandha jnana or relationship. And we spoke about attraction. So if anybody wants to add something to those points, please. Okay, so Prabhu is asking again, what is Sambanda? Define it and uh, speak a little bit more about it. So in Chaitanya Charitamrita, Madhya Lila, chapter 20, verse 124, there's a definition of Sambanda. <clears throat> the Vedic literatures give information about the living entity's eternal relationship with Krishna which is called Sambandha. The living entity's understanding of this relationship and acting accordingly is called Abhideya. Returning home back to Godhead is the ultimate goal of life and is called Prayojana. So Sambandha, Abhideya, Prayojana, these three things um, kind of are steps or levels of um, progressive devotional service. Um, Bhagavad Gita, one, in one, I believe it's the sixth chapter, at the end of, end of the sixth chapter, it says that a sacrifice perform, performed without knowledge is impermanent. So, basically, unless we really understand Krishna as the Supreme Personality of Godhead, and our relationship that I am constitutionally um, subordinate, prakriti, so there's purusha and there's prakriti. All the, the living entities are the expanded energies of, of Krishna and therefore it naturally follows that as the you know, the limbs of the tree, or Prabhupada would say the limbs of the body, you know, they, they serve the whole body for the f- proper functioning of the whole. Their job is to kind of cooperate. You know, if my hand says no, I'm not going to. <laughs> I think of that analogy. So as Prakriti, constitutionally, we, um, and we are happiest, when we act in that capacity, we actually constitutionally feel more happy when we're in our constitutional role of servant. Servant is the English translation that we use 
servant of God. So <clears throat> without that understanding, without that knowledge, then we are in ignorance of thinking, well, I'm God, and my business is just to satisfy my ever-demanding senses, mind and senses. So we run on, as they say, that on the chariot of the mind, trying to fulfill all these various desires that the mind and senses present, but actually doesn't give us real satisfaction in the end of the day. So that sambandha jnana, when we, when we understand, when we hear from the Vedic literatures our constitutional position, that's the beginning of relationship that, oh, I am your servant, Krishna. That's my constitutional nature. That's knowledge that we, you know, that we develop. And then, you know, the knowledge is first. It's important to have that knowledge when we do devotional service. Because if we do, there's a jnana sukriti. You can do devotional service without knowledge. You can, yeah. But then the ignorance may, because devotional service can be performed in the three modes of nature. So, so sambanda abhideya, then when one, like this says, the living entity's understanding of this relationship and acting accordingly is called abhideya. And then the third level is the prayojana, which here, ultimate goal of life, here in the translation, it's it's called returning home back to Godhead. In other places, it's uh, declared to be this fruition of of um, of faith. The highest level of faith is the prema, is the love, when it develops into actual spiritual emotion, att- attachment, attraction, then feelings, and then ultimately uh, this love of Godhead. So. But it starts with that understanding that, yes, actually, constitutionally, as a spirit soul, I'm part and parcel of God, and therefore, what is my my nature? Well, then what is my duty in that? So that also has the potency to eradicate our no- our ignorance. So, important. Anything else? Okay. Well, thank you for listening. Prantarash Srimad Bhagavatam Ki Jai.